0: Don't follow advice on social media. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't get unsolicited advice. Talk to someone that knows a bit more about nutrition than, you know, the swimwear model that your influencer. Eat your influencer. Um, and I'm, I'm not an expert on food, even though I'm a dietitian. Like, there's so much about food that I don't know. These are little snippets that I'm just using. You're listening to the Aikuku Podcast with Alex Shepherd. 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 Pilot your potential.
1: And take off. Okay, so today we are joined by Belinda Salvia, who is a dietitian and a pharmacist, um, and we're going to pick your brain basically about um, everything to do with nutrition. Um, so, you have a particular interest with um, nutrition and, and running and sport and stuff because you do a lot of running yourself and you've done a number of marathons and things. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, you've started to dive into doing a little bit of research behind how nutrition can you know, help with your, your running and what things to avoid and, and all of those sorts of things. But I want to start off, if you can talk to us, you've done the Tokyo Marathon and the Great Wall of China Marathon, yep. <laughs> which sounds so amazing, like just doing a marathon is huge and then doing it in those places. And the, you said the Great Wall of China one was your first. That's right. So, yeah. Can you tell us what that was like? Yeah. um, Oh, I better say hi.
0: Thanks for having me, Alex. (laughs) Um, I need to just say I'm in no way a runner, like a regular runner, and I'm not an athlete by any means. (laughs) I basically just got this great idea that I'd start running and I really started from a point of I need an outlet, I'm tired and I feel stressed and I need something. So it started just from a walk, you know, walking when I was studying pharmacy, funny enough, and it was you know, pretty uh, hectic as you would know and it was sort of, oh, I just need to get out of the house, I'm going to go for a lap around the block and it was literally a walk that then became a run that then became a bit more and I'm not doing a, l- a lot of regular running at the moment but uh, I still, you know, I'm not doing massive amounts of running but I still run regularly. Um, yeah, and it built up to the idea of wanting to be able to, um, I guess – run with, uh, you know, a purpose or a goal in mind. And I thought, wow, I'm going to train to do a marathon. I've had done, you know, multiple halves and I thought there's no way I can do a full marathon, but I trained and I did it and yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, the training was grueling though. I, um, I actually had, a a friend who was an exercise physiologist. So I teamed up with him and basically wrote a training plan on how I should tackle it. So I I didn't just sort of go out on, on, you know, a limb and just sort of think, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, run one day and have a rest the next day. It was quite structured. So I started training probably about four months or so before my run. and, And since then, that's sort of what I kept to with my other um, marathon. I sort of try and have about three to four months to train and sort of build up my duration and my distance. So it was a a combination of, you know, uh, intervals, um, interval running, um, shorter runs, then maybe one or two longer runs, as well as doing Pilates to keep my body in good nick. So otherwise um, I sort of had a few you know, niggles early on. And, um, so I sort of teamed that up and, and introduced that into my training. Um, but the actual, so it was
1: the Pilates just to like strengthen. Yeah.
0: Strengthen. So I tend to have okay. a bit of a funny issue with my knees and,
1: uh, it's a, um, it's yeah, a common so problem runners, with runners, yeah. um, you know, runner's especially in
0: females runners knees, you know, uh, especially you get quite, uh, tight muscles and everything sort of, um, becomes a bit, um, misaligned if you like, um, with the knees. So, um, doing regular work uh, on strengthening and then also releasing all the muscles and stuff. Um, that that was good for my training as well. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, team that up with some nutrition, um, you know, good nutrition while I'm training, while I was recovering between runs. Running on the wall was something that I would never have been able to train for even if I, you know, it was so unexpected. Every step was a different uh, height and and width and, and length, you know, if you like. So, I mean, it was designed to be difficult to navigate. So to keep intruders out and, and whatnot, because it was, you know, if you, if you have to look at the floor because every step's uneven, you're not really keeping your eye on, on the prize. So, you know, and there was literally um, almost like um, almost little um, potholes and, and then there was also like, um, it's almost like drains running through. So if you, weren't watching where you're walking you could easily trip um and it wasn't just you know obviously stairs you're going up on various inclines and down and then um there were sections on the wall that were just so steep that you know they even had ropes that you sort of had to pull yourself up oh, against really? yeah there was also a great section that ran through the sort of the local village and all the kids came out and we were high-fiving them along the way um and yeah the greatest part was you know getting to the finish line and running through the the finish line and you know just that sense of i did it and i'm still
1: standing <laughs> what was the feeling at the end oh it was great it was
0: awesome and then i was thinking Maybe I'll do another one, and then I went. No, maybe not. Might be the dehydration. Like I sound a little bit crazy, a bit higher than it Wasn't that bad. Like surprisingly, and it was all the training that paid off because on race day it was not an easy run, but it was having that training and being confident that I had trained as much as I could to do it. So,
1: see, I would normally say, um, you know, doing any real endurance long thing is definitely a mental battle, um, mainly. And it was, it really
0: was, especially at that 30 K mark, I was just like, I remember feeling so fatigued and thinking, Oh my gosh, why am I doing this? I've still got another, you know, 12 Ks to go and I'm spent.
1: And mentally exhausting for that particular course because of focusing. Yeah.
0: And then also like we, you know, the first part of the run, we sort of gone up and down the wall, gone to the village. And then I knew that I still had to hit the wall again. So we had to go back to the wall and that the last part was called the goat track. And that was the part with the ropes. And so in case you weren't tired enough, it was like this battle at the end. And a lot of people, I saw people around me just like dropping. I remember like one of the girls that was in the tour that I I ran with, I sort of stopped and she was so dehydrated and sort of we I had some salt tablets with me and I was like okay you know you probably need some of these have you got some water and
1: I oh, see so you're um, helping each other out a yeah way. because it's oh, like so it's good. not you know it's a just, team thing it's, yeah, an inter- it's not and to mean, race, I a race
0: I had my time that I wanted to meet but it, it didn't take two seconds to stop and you know it was like we all wanted to see each other at the end um, and yeah I think just that last part was the, a test for everyone so yeah
1: so anyway would you do it again
0: would you um, recommend that other particular
1: people? particular run. Yeah. Uh, we've done that. Too. I've done that. Yeah. Like I think move on to something on. new. Yeah.
0: Not that it was a horrible experience. I just think time for something new. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I want to go in a little bit in a moment about sort of what to eat just prior to that run and and, and what other people should do just prior to an event and sort of what you were doing throughout the event. but. Just to start off with, um, when you were doing the run and you started looking into foods and things that you could use to fuel your body um, and what foods would sort of maybe avoid, what were the biggest like concepts that stood out for you yeah. in terms of So food? I think
0: the main thing to know is that or to note is that everyone is different right. and so what works for me might not work for someone else. So um, for me, if I had coffee or caffeine before a run I was in big trouble um and I learned that the hard way during training um (laughs) so you know having to stop running and run to the nearest public toilet um you know setting off the gut um and then other things having a big meal really big meal beforehand or not allowing enough time before uh in between your meal and your run that can definitely affect it um the type of foods you eat obviously so um You know, being aware of how much fiber you're having, obviously fiber is going to you know it's going to it's not going to get absorbed and digested easy. it's going to cause a lot of wind, a lot of bloating, and potentially the same sort of effects.
1: So that's something you should avoid before um, any training or before an event um depending on the type of the event, but if it's
0: um you know, I think that it can probably be too heavy. You need some form of carbohydrate, obviously, but um before a, an event you know, you, you might want to carb load, for example, the night before, but then the day of, you're probably going to be having short acting carbs. So, you know, when I say short acting carbs, I'm talking about the stuff that I would never normally recommend to any clients like white bread, you know, so, you know, because it's easily digested, it's not going to cause you too many problems in terms of your gut. So, you know, ideally you might say on, on, run day you know the day of the event you might have a couple of jam sandwiches for example and a banana that might be your run for run day and everyone's different that's I know a lot of people might go for something like that um they might fuel up on that and then have either food or gels in between or whatever works for them um I find for me um I can't bring myself to having that in the morning it doesn't work it doesn't for me. sit and, right yeah and I so I actually have oats but I find that they work for me and I have I make sure that I have them at least 2 hours before a big run and I'll have a, a banana bananas for me are fine sometimes I have an egg like a boiled egg um yeah so generally it's a balance between fiber a balance between um hydration as well um and then you know, a lot of people would struggle if they had a really big fatty meal or a really protein-rich meal as well. So obviously they're going to be much dif- more difficult to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, in saying that everyone, like it's really individualized. I know someone that runs marathons regularly and their like they're, they're meal in the evening before a big marathon is a big steak and a glass of wine really oh my <laughs> so, gosh not to say that that's something that you would necessarily follow but i'm just some saying people it, can handle you that know, they, that's what they run on every time they run and they run their race and they
1: you know they do well but i mean from a nutritionist or a dietitian standpoint what's the best like to give you the best result the most optimal result the next day what would be the ideal um i mean if you've if
0: you've Train your body to work on carbs, then I would be having a carbohydrate based meal. I mean, okay. it's like pasta your, and- yeah. So pasta or, or rice or something like that, or whatever. Um, but I, I, something that you enjoy that you can manage, um, because you know, your glucose is your first energy source, um, for, um, for fuel in terms of fueling your body. Um, so it's, it's an obvious choice for most people. There are people that will, um, run on, A high protein diet or a high fat diet but for most people carbohydrates a carbohydrate rich meal is the easiest thing to break down it's your it's your body's first fuel choice so it's it's for most people you're having that sort of long acting um energy source in the evening and then having something so more more short acting during your run before after or oh, maybe maybe more before, during, I'd say. Then, and then after you can, you know, if you get through it, you can pretty much eat what you like. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's your reward. You can have whatever. That's the
0: reward. <laughs> so it's more on um, – and the most important thing, whatever you do is to train with what you're going to use on the day, never introduce anything new. So, that's interesting. you know, if you've – even all your gels, for example, if you're training with gels or whatever fuel you're using – um, you know, you don't want to introduce something new on race day. Some of the gels contain caffeine, some of them don't. Most of them will contain electrolytes um, and also knowing how much glucose or or
1: whatever fuel you're using your body can take. So, So in picking a gel, what would be the things that they should be mm-hmm. wanting definitely yeah. in that? So most of your gels
0: that you have will contain about 30 grams of carbohydrates and the recommendation, and it really depends on what your gut can handle, is anywhere between um, 30, um, 60, and even up to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Um, and that's for a long, you know, a more uh, intensive sort of run. I mean, or f- for a training session or whatever it might be. Like but, half half marathon upwards or more marathon? Yeah, I'd say, look, you've got a, enough um, stores in your muscles. Like if you look at your um glycogen stores in your muscles to fuel you for at least an hour and then after that you're going to get fatigued and you're going to need to um you're going to need to fuel up but you don't want to sort of exhaust or you you know you want to you don't want to sort of you want to get it before tank. so you want to it. be fueled up before and then you might want to have something you know within the first half an hour just to get yourself some you know energy and then continue to refuel during as well as fueling up um making sure you're hydrated as well so um, you know, water is great, but your electrolyte sort of, um, drinks are even better really because you're supplementing, um, salt losses. So your sodium, potassium, etc., magnesium, things like that. And then. So
1: do those gels have electrolytes? Yeah, in so them most of them well? will have okay.
0: like, um, some electrolytes in there. Um, so it means that if you're having those, you're also getting some electrolytes, but you must also wash them down with some water as well. So obviously you're hydrating um, and then without water, it can be quite um, upsetting to the gut for some people. So making sure that you you do wash them down with some water whilst you're having them. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, it's very individualized. Some people um, don't like using gels and they, you know, not all of them are very palatable and some people will prefer to use fuel like just Food While they're running, they'll, they might have access to, depending on what they're doing, they might have access to an aid station where they can have a, you know, a half a sandwich or whatever it is that they want to include in their run. And, and, and if they've trained with it, they know it, it supports them.
1: Yeah. I know whenever I've used a gel, I get it all over me. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty messy and you know, you're sweaty and then you're you know trying to drink water and run into yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's not always
0: Yeah. And yeah, they can they're Try not always jump palatable jumps. either. No. So it depends yeah. on what you like and as I said, you work out what works for you, you know, keep note take note of your symptoms, take note of your um you know, what you've actually been able to achieve in that run. If you weren't able to get up to, you know, the times or the you know, whatever you were doing then maybe, you know, sometimes nutrition can play a role in that whether it's hydration-wise or the fuel-wise or whether you just need to, you know, talk to someone about the actual training that you're doing if you're not getting the results. So there's so many things that can impact. Mm. Um,
1: I know we've got um, quite a few um, actors and performers and also um, presenters or even entrepreneurs and stuff that do listen. So it makes me think I wonder whether those people said they're going to be doing a performance the next day whether or a speech or you know you, you've got a big day ahead of talking to a big team of workers or whatever should should you be carb loading the night before for something like that as well then I wonder does the energy work in the same way or do we not need is that energy much more to do with physical
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah. Um, but at the
0: same time it's interesting that you say that because being stressed as well can have an impact on, you know, how much, you know, your energy stores and, and things like that. So um, I think really in terms of if you are, you know, in a performance situation or you're expected to, you know, you're the best thing you can do is I guess the quality of the nutrition that you have. So you may not necessarily need to the carb load as such, but, you know, um, I would be thinking more um, if you're going to have carbohydrates good quality carbohydrates so you're not going to get too many highs and lows in your blood sugar level. So, you know, when if you're expected to perform for long hours or whatever it is, maybe you're in a high stressful job, it's easy when you feel fatigued to reach for something that is a quick energy source. But what happens is then you are constantly in that sort of um, up and down. You get those ups and downs and then, you know, when the sugar drops too low you can get, you know, obviously you can get quite hungry, but also it can affect your decision-making, it can affect your, um, uh, you know, it's everything from... Your temper even. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like if you think of, you know, we always say, oh, when, you know, my sugar's alive, I feel hangry, yeah. you know. So it's like you want if you want to be able to perform at your best, you want those blood sugars to be nice and stable. Um, and the way to do that is obviously, I mean, there's lots of ways to keep your blood sugar stable, but in terms of your quality carbohydrates, so things that are you know, high in fibre. Um, Can
1: you give us some examples of like yeah, so, actual foods?
0: Yeah, so for example, or uh, things like all well, your fruit and veg, plenty of fruit and veg are great sources of fibre. Um, if you're having, um, you know, if you're having any kind of bread, maybe some kind of grainy type bread, um, and then also teaming it up with things that are satiating like protein sources, so lean protein source, whether it's an animal source or even, um, other things that are high in fiber, but also protein, even or your beans and legumes, they're really sustaining, um, as well as great for keeping your blood sugar levels because of the amount of uh, fiber in them. Um, so you can, you know, you can basically run for longer. Yeah. Um, also, if you've got a really long day, I know it's easy to reach for the the coffee or whatever, but it's obviously quite dehydrating as well. So making sure you're fueling with water oh, as nice well, time. not just You know, coffee, it's easy because when you have those dips in your day, you think, I just need a double shot, you know, um, and, (laughs) you know, it's still dehydrating and you find that that normally is a replacement for water, which is going to serve you much better.
1: I have a bit of a tech question, actually. You were just talking about the different types of quality carbs and grainy breads and things. Have you looked at all into the difference in, like, rices, like white rice versus brown rice versus quinoa? Is there, like, one that is better than the other?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, definitely. There's it does matter in terms of um, fiber content as well as vitamin and mineral content. So, um, a for example, if we compare a white rice with a brown rice, mm-hmm. surprisingly, brown rice is still fairly high carb, um, high GI. Sorry, okay. so which means it still releases quite quickly. In saying that, it does contain a little bit more fiber and it still con- it contains higher amounts of your B vitamins. So if you want to go for an even better choice than brown rice, it doesn't mean brown rice is bad. Brown rice is a great grain to include in your diet. Um, if you want to look at things like GI, so when we talk about glycemic index, it's talking about how quickly that um, carbohydrate source is broken down into sugars into the or into individual sugar molecules into the bloodstream. So you're ideally you're wanting... Um, to keep that blood sugar um, well controlled by having low GI foods, so foods that release slowly. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're talking about your your you know grainy type breads versus your white bread. The white bread's going to release really quickly, you're or you're going to get a spike in your blood sugars, and then what often happens is when you get a spike in your blood sugars, insulin is um, secreted from your pancreas, and we tend to sort of overshoot our um, to try and mop up that uh, excess glucose. So, more than then, we really required. Yeah, and then often then we our sugar drops really low, and then we're like, oh my goodness, I need to eat something else. I'm so tired, I'm so hungry. Um, that's when um, get and then slump. you get those sort of waves in our blood sugar levels. Whereas, if you had to have something that's higher in fiber, um, more lower GI, it releases more quickly, it causes more, it has a better, um, I guess, blood sugar profile in terms of um, stability in our blood sugar levels. Um, and that's where you get that, you're less likely to get that drop in the blood sugars that's going to make you feel tired and hungry and, and whatnot. Um, and so if we look at, for example, going back to rices, um, your longer grain rices uh, tend to be um, high, uh, lower GI. If you think about like the a grain. Yeah, like the grain is My actually, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. The grain itself um, is longer when you look at it. If you, if, you know, you, they're almost like... Um, you know, the grains are actually, like if you compare it to a, a short grain or a medium grain rice compared to a longer grain, it's actually physically longer. So it's just, if you think about it, it's harder to digest and break down. Then um, the, other, the ones that really are the best ones are your wild-type rices. Generally they're a bigger grain and they tend to have more fibre. They haven't had that outer sort of, um, with the white rice, they tend to sort of have that outer casing removed. That's why they, they're white versus the brown. So you lose part of that um, grain, I guess. I think it's the, um, you know, the, that's where that colour difference comes from generally. Um, and so then, um, yeah, so your wild rices really are... And the ideal. Um, and then there are ones that are grown to be, um, I guess they're sort of almost modified to be low GI. So you've got your Dongara type uh, rices as well that are actually, have they've shown that they're a lower GI. They've been... I guess the grains been um, I guess you've like got manipulated to um, to produce a, a more slower release. Um, where does quinoa
1: sit in all of this?
0: Um, quinoa's a good option. It's you know high in fibre. Um, in terms of um, you know you, you're not I'd still say it's probably a better choice than your white rice. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's great in fibre. It's the great thing is it's so easy to. You know, you can throw it into anything and it's, it cooks in five seconds compared to yeah. brown rice. It's definitely a good choice. A quick
1: one. Yeah. yeah. So for so anyone... i
0: wild rices and yep. then anything that is, um, I guess, yeah, your longer grain rices, they're always a better choice. If you had to choose between a, a short grain versus a, or a shorter or medium grain going for your longer grains, your wild rices, and also the ones that are have been modified to be um lower gi.
1: So anyone who's um not too sure about the fiber thing, why do we want more fiber? In so obviously before a race day. Yeah. So not so great.
0: When leading up to a race day, you might um slowly start to drop off on your fiber content. So some people would choose to eat, you know, leading up to it really depends on what your body can handle and everyone's got different tummies and bowels. Yeah. Um so some people actually follow uh, a lower fiber diet, just leaving up leading up to the day of because fiber is an, uh, it's uh, it's what's if you think about it, it's the sort of the part of the um, um, the the plant, for example, that just doesn't get digested and absorbed. I kind of I like to think of it if you think of like a celery, a stick of celery, it's all that stringy part on the outside, or the when we talk about different types of fibers, if you think of a you know an apple. Um, if you think of it, I mean there's fibre inside the apple but there's also fibre on the outside so you've got different types of fibre, you've got your soluble fibre and your insoluble fibre and then you've got um, the two main types and then you've got more your um, sort of resistant type starches and um, as well so you've in terms of what they do in your body they have slightly different impacts your, um, if you think of your Um, your insoluble fiber. That's kind of the, if you think of your fruit and veg, the skin on them. Mm -hmm. So your insoluble fiber is what basically gets your bowels going. (laughs) So they're your bulking type agents so, so we want
1: them to keep regularity but, yeah, some but maybe for
0: running and race day you need to be good. careful yeah. so you know for example having a heap of dried apricots that may not be a good idea there's a lot of fiber in those especially obviously having the full f- fruit you're getting all the skin and and it's dehydrated so it's um it's loaded in fructose with fructose yeah. as well as so lots of sugar um but it's a slower release sugar um then um when you look at the fibre in the inside of the apple, um, for example, you've got more of your soluble fibres in the inside um, and your soluble fibre is really important for keeping you full of the longer, regulating your blood sugars, helping with um, regulating blood cholesterol levels, etc. So they've got lots of benefits. So basically fibre is amazing. Um, get it in your diet. <laughs> so people that uh, I think that's the, the – uh, you can get lots of – great fibers from your, um, your fruit and vegetables as well. Um, but you know, there's lots of sources of fiber. So, um, I think it's all about the type of fi- the carbohydrate that you're having, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not so much, you know, there's always a movement to cut out carbohydrates and people will avoid a lot of, yeah. you know, but, you know, we know that fiber can massively reduce your risk of things like colorectal cancer and, and you need it for, you know, our function and our bowels and everything. so There's a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And just when you're, if you are involved in a lot of physical activity, then, you know, leading up to perhaps a big event, you may need to cut back on some of those fibres just to keep your gut, you know, and then obviously reintroduce them because it it is a bit more work on your gut to be able to sort of handle those undigestible fibres. They sit in the bowel for a bit longer, um, bacteria feeds on them, you get a lot of wind, um, you they also produce, when that bacteria feeds on those fibres, um, you get a production of uh, really great fatty acids that are, um, the, um, uh, sorry, a lot of acids basically that are really important for your gut health, maintaining the um, integrity of the gut, really good to help that um, keep that gut health in, in good nick basically. So they've got lots of benefits.
1: Mm. So you were saying sort of um, before that one of the best things for energy in terms of your mind and stuff like that, um, if you keep a more steady sugar level, that would be better for brain power. Yeah. Yep. Is there anything else that we should be either eating or avoiding to um, help with that fuzzy brain kind of thing that we get? Mm. Um. Well, I mean, in
0: terms of I guess the the blood stability is really important. Um, You can't – if you're talking about brain function, you can't really go past um, including good sources of uh, omega fatty acids in your diet if you're talking about – so they might come from like a fish source or maybe um, nuts and seeds loaded in uh, lots of fatty acids. And we know that they are really good for cognitive function, so brain function as well as, you know, um, your eye health, um, skin, everything – they've got so many benefits. So including good quality fatty acids in your diet um, can also help. So whether it's a couple of handfuls of walnuts or having fish a couple of nights a week. So your oily type fishes, so things like salmon um, are really good. I mean, they're really great for even things like um, uh, even just Co- not just cognitive function, but also even there's links with
1: yeah, the cholesterol. and um,
0: Yeah, as well as, um, so you're having, uh, they can improve lipids um, if you're having quite a, a high dose of of your, your fish oils. But also, um, I was going to say even um, mental health, like we know that having good quality fish oils can also help with the, um, that, you know, people struggling with things like depression and mood, so it can be included as part of a...
1: Is that to do with its anti-inflammatory effect or they're not really sure the reason why?
0: Um, I'd say it's probably a combination of both, but I think it's more those fatty acids are really important for um, whether it's production of other, um, I guess, chemicals in the body as well as, um, you know there are benefits of inflammatory as well as cognitive effects, I think. So, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, actually, now that I think
1: of it. but um, So if someone um, is sort of in a more depressed mood or someone who is more stressed or anxious or something like that, um, increasing omegas in their diet, so your olive oils, your fishes, your nuts and those yeah. sorts of things. And then it's Actually,
0: um, it's funny that you say that because there was a recent study called the SMILE study and they looked at the Mediterranean diet and the improvements of um, following. So Mediterranean diet is basically a diet that if you think about, you know, what you might get in a typical meal that you, if you were in a, you know, a a Greek or Italian restaurant, for example, there's usually, um, there may be some fish involved, lots of fruit, lots of vegetables, lots of herbs and spices, good quality oils like olive oil, um and so using it's it's fairly low salt as well. but generally those kinds of quality foods, um, you know, lots of um, you know if you think of all the you know lovely vegetables, things like your tomatoes and um, capsicum and 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 all those sort of lovely, vibrantly colored um, vegetables. Yeah. Um, not a, a lot of um, animal, um, so red meats and a bit more, I get including fish as well as you know spices rather than salt. To um, and having access to those things, there's a lot of um, things like phytochemicals um, in those types of foods, all those rich um, fruits and vegetables, as well as um, including things like those good quality oils in the diet, so olive oils, avocado or um, or avocado oil.
1: Because um, they use a lot of herbs and things, don't yeah, they? Yeah, so basically so they've done herbs. some
0: research, um, uh, as I said, the SMILE trial, where we actually um, had people with, um, like, clinical depression and then um, they were, you know, um, provided a diet that was, I guess, it, it closely resembled the Medi- a Mediterranean diet um, and even just a small improvement in their diet. Some of their diets were probably quite interesting to begin with and, and you know, just it's, you know... we. If you look at what the average Australian eats, you know, a lot of people don't get, you know, only 7% of Australians get enough vegetables. So, you know, to try and make small changes, you can, you know, they did show some improvement when they looked at, um, depression, schools and things like that. So, yeah. Because so. it is,
1: I mean, a lot of Australians, I think, probably don't put vegetables into their breakfast meal. Yeah. Um, especially and if it you can eat be, cereals and It things, can be tricky but,
0: to include yeah. them, but, I mean, it depends. If you're going to have a hot breakfast, it's easy to do. It, easy, yeah. Yeah. I've but.
1: actually started putting um Grated carrot into my porridge, into my oats, yeah. and I cook it that way because you get a little bit of the sweetness still from the carrot, and you can yeah, put cinnamon or nutmeg in. You could put a bit of honey or something like that. Yeah, if or you or want mixing to. it up, putting a bit of grated apple and grated carrot yeah. or something yeah. like yeah. that, or Great, like a carrot cake kind of thing in a it's bowl. It's a carrot <laughs> cake, exactly. <laughs> it's like <laughs> any way I can add extra, so we can put it into <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. yeah, and
0: finding even including them in snacks as well. Yeah. So, you know, whatever, whenever you can. I mean. Um, people think I'm crazy, but I, I'm, I've been known to, you know, munch on a carrot in the middle of the day and you know, big bugs, bunny style. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I enjoy it. It's yeah. like, I mean, having, you know, so I think that's, uh, might be the dietitian in me. I mean, it's probably not the average thing to do, but you know, why not?
1: So, um, I want to touch on micronutrients a little bit, cause I know a lot of people in, um, the active realm or maybe general public focus a lot on this macro um, you know, mainly like how much proportion you want of your, your protein, how much of your carbohydrate and how much of your fats, how important is that micronutrients side of things? Yeah. So if we're looking at things like,
0: I guess you're talking about like your vitamins, minerals, et cetera. Um, and absolutely like you, in terms of getting, um, having access to those, a lot of those, uh, vitamins and minerals are really important, um, You know, if we look at, for example, your B vitamins, so many of them are like cofactors um, for lots of different reactions in the body. So having access to those things is vital for daily function. Um, So and really, I mean, ideally, we should be able to get access to everything that we need through the food that we eat. But as I just mentioned, you know, the typical Australian diet is not, uh, you know, it's difficult to get like, you know, five serves of veggies every day. And so, um, look, I think if I think for a lot of people, a daily multivitamin is not a bad idea right. to get those and I think, um, it doesn't have to be anything expensive or fancy, but just something um that's got a fair bit of I'd say something that's got a, a few B vitamins in there. Um you know, because most people aren't getting it enough. Magnesium is another, although, you know, magnesium is another thing that a lot of people, you know, it wouldn't hurt if everyone was on a magnesium supplement yeah, within reason, obviously if someone's got heart or, um, you know, kidney problems, you may not necessarily be suggesting magnesium to everyone, but, you know, we don't have a lot of magnesium in our soil. Um, magnesium is great for muscle function. It's good for anxiety. It's great for everything. And, um, Yeah, so things like that, Um, as I said, most people are probably, you know, a a multivitamin in the day wouldn't hurt and, in fact, it's probably going to complement a diet when you're busy and life is hectic, it's impossible to have a perfect diet, like, really. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's probably just as important, if not more important, really, when we talk about portions of protein, carbohydrate, fat, if you don't have access to those those micronutrients or if we call them even like things like your trace elements when you know minerals vitamins minerals trace elements all those things then it your a lot of those functions that your body needs to um be able to undertake may be impaired
1: well yeah one of my pet peeves is i've seen a few times in you know the um, gym communities and they'll post a picture Oh, look at my my meal tonight it's the perfect combination of macros they've got a piece of bread or like a wrap, mm. they've got an egg and they've got a bit of spinach. And to them looking at that, it's, well, I've hit all my macros. Yeah. But there's no nutrients yeah. in that. Like, I mean, there's nutrients there in is, there. There is, but, but there's not enough. Yeah, if, we like, had if had to analyse it, I'm sure yeah. there'd be
0: something missing from that. Yeah, i mean. like,
1: <laughs> well, like it's a clean meal. It's not yeah. a terrible, it's a healthy no. enough meal. I mean, but I think it's a good choice,
0: but to try, and think, to try and think that you're going to, hit the mark with every meal it's you know you have to spend your whole day planning your meals you just can't and so um I mean I'd like to think that my diet's pretty good but it's not perfect you know so I take a multi every day um because I know that there's days that I'm so busy that I don't have the time to cook things that I want to maybe cook and I'll take I'll have my multi in the morning. Um, and then I have I have a magnesium supplement at night because I I know that it helps me sleep, it relaxes me. Yeah, yeah it's good if I'm muscle recovery for like post running. Yeah, yeah. So I know
1: um I've talked about them a couple of times, but ATP science, I'm absolutely obsessed with this brand at the moment. We're doing their gut right thing at the moment, which has been quite funny. Um, but they do a multi foods one and it just looks fantastic because it's yeah. um, all organic. Yeah. Um, Whole foods that they've sort of mushed down into yeah. a capsule. I don't see. I, I
0: think that you know, I don't think there's a lot of harm in that. No. So I'm all about you know, if it's not harmful, then and if there's some evidence and evidence based, of course, then do it. If it can't yeah. hurt you. And there's some evidence around it, then yeah, it's worthwhile trying. So
1: if we're looking at foods, is there kind of like a general rule that we could look at to know that we're kind of getting you know more micros into our diet? Without going into analysing each individual um, one? You know, I'd say your fruit and veg is going to hit
0: pretty much most things. Um, and then um, in terms of if we're looking at um, calcium sources, if you're not having dairy like a source of calcium, if we're looking at um, your minerals type um If you're not having a a dairy source and having a dairy alternative to making sure you're getting um, sufficient calcium in your diet, Mm -hmm. Um, you can get dairy from other – or, sorry, calcium from other sources, but it is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you'd have to have five cups of broccoli um, to get the equivalent of having, you know, a 250-mil glass of cow's milk, for example. So it's it's good in theory, but in practice I don't want to sit and eat five cups of broccoli.
1: How are you going to get that in? <laughs> yeah, so
0: basically just being sensible about it as well. So, um, yeah, so having a if you're not having a dairy source, having an alternative. So there are plenty of good alternatives. So um, finding a good source, uh, maybe a soy-based milk or a, um, an almond milk. You have to watch oat milks and rice milks tend to be quite low in calcium. You want to aim for something that's got about 300 milligrams um, of calcium uh, per glass so per 250 ml um that's a good indicator uh, a lot of almond milks won't have that so just look around find see which, which find. ones yeah yeah um and then also just hitting on other things um pretty difficult to get b12 from non animal sources so if you're not oh. eating so things like um you know eggs meat fish etc if you're not having um if you're a vegan potentially not having any animal products then a B12 supplement is is definitely required. Yeah. And
1: B12 is so important for oh, brain function a, and mood. So many and, different things, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Energy and function, um, iron um, as well. So
0: um, definitely an important um, vitamin to include. If you're not getting any animal sources of uh, or any – if you're not eating any animal products, then a supplement is – is important because it can take a long time for those stores to uh, dwindle, Um, and you can be unaware that though you know it can take even up to five years for those stores to dwindle. But um, if you're not having access to B twelve rich foods, then they will drop, and it can affect your nerve function. It can affect um, uh, cognitive function. It can affect uh, red blood cell formation.
1: Probably. It sounds, it could be quite complex. It sounds like if yeah. if you are either doing, wanting to achieve high levels of yeah, success I mean, with anything, you probably need a dietitian. The Guide to
0: Healthy Eating is a good starting point. It's right. a guide though. Like So there's a lot of um, people that agree with it and don't agree with it, but it it's a guide and it's a good starting point. So if you're wanting to look at, um, um, you know, what, might be included in a good quality meal. Getting onto the Eat for Health website is a good place to have a look, to get some meal ideas, to get an idea of what a healthy day's worth of food looks like. It gives you an an understanding of uh, quantities and servings and portions, for example, um, just by navigating through that website and all the links to it. Um, It's got your – it talks about, you know, quantities of all the different food groups and why you need them as well. So, you know, we get – Every food uh, group gives us different, uh, you know. It's they're all there for a reason, basically.
1: Yeah, We um, need to tap
0: into them all. Yeah, and then the last one that I'd mention, obviously, is your meat or meat alternatives. We we've sort of fruit and veg and and um, carbohydrates. You can your know, all your breads and cereal groups. Um, they're all your your B vitamins and your fiber and and things like that. And then of course your your lean proteins are obviously a good source of sorry, lean meats are a good source of protein or meat alternatives, but um. Yeah. So they all have their purpose. So,
1: can I just ask you why you just mentioned about protein? Protein. I. I mean, when I first started looking in, or doing more, um, workout in the gym and stuff, I yeah, I've really got to increase protein. It was something that I never really looked into too much, and I found it really challenging at the start to get enough into my diet. Um, do you recommend protein powders and things? For people to take as a general thing, if they are either in recovery for you know bending muscles or things, or if they are doing a lot of workout, or yeah, um,
0: I think it depends on uh, what people are wanting to achieve with their training. Um, I mean, I don't have a, a lot of experience with sort of resistance training and and that sort of thing, but generally, if you're if you're um, doing uh, a lot of resistance work, then you will need protein in your diet. You need protein for muscle function, muscle recovery. Um, the amount that you need, I think a lot of people probably go a little bit overboard with their protein. Yeah. Um, you know, you basically, when you have your protein, you don't store protein if you like, okay. like you do with, um, you know, nice. glucose, for example. Okay. So, um, you know, you glucose is stored as glycogen basically in your muscles. When you have a protein-rich meal, so if you were to have a really massive steak, for example, more than what your body can probably use um, in a short space of time, those proteins get broken down and um, into the individual amino acids. And there's kind of, I guess, a bit of an amino acid pool that sits around Um, you. A lot of the the protein that you don't use gets excreted. So – you use what you need and then your body gets rid of it. Um, So um, I think if you're depending on the training that you do, it's a good idea getting a bit of advice on what you might need depending on the training and then going from there. um, Yeah. And, and looking into the types of protein that you might want to use um, as well. And then, you know, whether, if you're not getting enough through the food you're eating, you might want to supplement Um, in terms of, um, where I will recommend protein and protein supplements is particularly if someone's at risk of weight loss, if they're just if there's a risk of malnutrition, um, where they you know protein is a um, really important for them to maintain muscle mass, so that they're not you know they're not getting muscle wasting. Um, so that's where I would always recommend, but it really depends on your training, what you're doing, and and what you might you know what your goals are. Um, I think they'd sort of go hand in hand. You do need to have protein, but you need to have other energy sources. And then also looking at, um, you know, your training. And that's where you might want to talk to, you know, a sports sports nutritionist. nutritionist or, and get a
1: little bit more tailored. Yeah,
0: And then also if you're looking at building those muscles as well, talking to like an ex- exercise physiologist as well, just working out the type of, um, you know, the type of exercise that are going to help maximize your, I guess, what you're wanting. Um, so they can, you know, work with you and work with your body and any, you know, problems you might have or.
1: So, um, before when you said, um, you know, if you do a marathon, you pretty much get to eat whatever you want afterwards. (laughs) I, I, I agree that you should definitely get to treat on whatever you want, but if like you are doing, um, if you do do a big event or if you're in training, maybe more so in that recovery, do I help with your recovery? Um, what sort of foods should we be looking at eating after doing either a big training session or after doing a big run like that to refuel ourselves? I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is to eat soon,
0: okay. um, and eat regularly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will just have a massive meal afterwards, but I think having uh, regular meals afterwards will. Is probably better in terms of helping to recover what you have. Again, it it may be up to what you what you can handle. What you can. some people after doing a long run um, or even after doing exercise, often you surprisingly you don't feel super hungry. You don't feel hungry, too. yeah. So it's kind of I guess that that effect that uh, that sort of post exercise effect you. You know your your body is actually continually burning, but you tend to have a reduced appetite for a short period after a run. It's only a bit uh, or whatever it might be, um afterwards that you sort of think oh actually I'm really hungry now. So, um obviously loading up on um, you know plenty of fresh fruit and veg, um you and just a, a balanced meal. You know getting a bit of getting some carbs back in as well if you've done an endurance event and then. Um, maybe some protein and, um, you know, good quality fats as well, something that's something that you enjoy really, you've yeah. deserved it. Yeah. Um, you might not tolerate a big, you might think, oh, I'm going to, you know, have a, a pizza or a burger and chips. You might not tolerate yeah. that. You might feel like that, yeah. but it really depends on what you can tolerate. But, yeah, having a good quality meal afterwards is definitely important and then obviously um, hydration as well. And then, you know, having that protein after a meal as well. So not just in that one sitting, you might have some small amounts throughout um for example the afternoon if it was a morning event so giving your body lots of opportunities to access that food not just one bulk yeah. um so it might be some nuts in the afternoon and and things like that or
1: so someone said to me um, recently that straight after doing a hard, like a high intense sort of workout, not to eat a carbohydrate that's too tricky to break down. Is that true? And is that the reason why after you do a run or you do like a big swim or something, they always have watermelon and things like that at the um the end of the race? Is that to give you some easier to break down? Yeah, or is there, um, what, what is that about?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I guess, you know, like, again, it's access to fuel. So, having something that's nutritious as well as something that's you know easy to digest as well, um, but yeah, and also it's something good. that's gonna yeah, but yeah, I mean there's no being, hard rule. That's yeah, a lot oh, of it is trialing, you know, what you enjoy, but also getting some advice if you are like if you're at a really elite at level, I'd say talk to a sports diet. Um, sports dietitian or sports nutritionist to someone that can give you some advice on that because
1: you're more tailored. Yeah,
0: every it depends on the sport sport that you're doing. If you're just doing it as a, at a level that's you know more you know friendly, you know whether it's a team sport or you're doing it's not at an elite level, then the obviously recovery is important still. But you know in terms of being able to perform the next day. You know, if you're having to follow it up with a back-to-back to to performance type thing, Mm -hmm. then you'd want to get more um, sort of personalised assistance with it, I'd say. So,
1: Is there any um, rookie or what are the rookie mistakes that you commonly see or common misconceptions people have around um, nutrition? Um, That
0: all carbohydrates are bad, Um, that you should cut out carbohydrates because if you eat them after 3 o'clock you'll turn into a pumpkin. (laughs) Um, poor potatoes get a bad name as well don't they yeah and i love potato yeah
1: what are the good things about potatoes let's give them a better rap
0: (laughs) you know like i mean if you are concerned about you know potatoes that they talk about sweet potato versus normal potato um you know there are lower gi white potatoes that you can buy oh really and what are they yeah for example um uh, there's a There's a type of potato called the charisma potatoes. Okay. Yeah. Um, They're fairly low GI. (laughs) You can buy them for, you know, a couple of dollars in a kilo or half a kilo bag at a certain big chain store that mark supermarket chain that, there's two of them, guess,
1: you anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, know. They're going to know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So Sells potatoes. anyways, they, but yeah, basically they're a good quality
0: low GI potato. Potatoes are great. They're a good source of carbohydrate. Um, you know, they are loaded with potassium and, and they've got fiber, keep the skin on. Like,
1: you know, I love this. I like potatoes, so it's free. run at, to I, eat potatoes.
0: I, I enjoy potatoes. It depends on what you put them in. If you're going to deep fry them, then they're not so good, but you know, it doesn't mean you can't ever have them. I don't like to put labels on foods. I think you enjoy food because you only live once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So if there's one thing that you would tell people that would help them better optimize their diets, what's one thing that they should do to better optimize their diet? Oh, gosh, that's a tricky one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like, My final like question is on a big one.
0: Oh, optimize their diet. Okay, here's one. Don't follow advice on social media. (laughs) You know, (laughs) don't get unsolicited advice. Talk to someone that knows a bit more about nutrition than, you know, the swimwear model that- Your influencer. Your influencer. Um, And I'm, I'm not an expert on food, even though I'm a dietitian, like there's so much about food that I don't know. These are little snippets that I'm just sharing and I you think the more know you enough. know, the
1: more you realize you don't know. Yeah.
0: So I mean, we all learn. We all learn and uh, the thing with nutrition is that it's a fairly new science, you know, like it's not something that's been around or that we've been able to study for a long time. It's different to, if you look at medicine as a science or whatever, it's nutrition is a really new evolving area. And every study that we do, we find different things, you know, uh, you know, the changes, you know, we've got people saying now that actually saturated fat isn't bad for you and, you know, even though we've had thirty to forty or fifty years of saying saturated fat is, you know, you know causes heart disease and cancer and et cetera. And you know, like I think that sometimes I think take things with a pinch of salt. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't. We don't really know because sometimes the research can change overnight. Even now, um, it's interesting because uh, when we talk about sugar and carbohydrates, you know, the standard diet that you would follow for if you're a diabetic. They didn't actually cut a ha- cut out carbohydrates that much. People were still having fairly, you know, two, three hundred grams worth of carbohydrates now. And now the um, Diabetes Australia is now saying actually a lower carb diet may actually help yeah. control your blood sugars. Yeah. Not no carb, but lower carb. So and that's just a new position statement that they've put out on their website as of, I think, August. Right. And so it's, you know what we've been telling diabetic patients for years, maybe we've found some... Some newer evidence. You know, we've got some different evidence or or we've got some evidence that's contrary to what we thought, you know, so there's always going to be changes. What I do is might not work for someone else so you know having two sandwiches and a banana maybe that's you it's not me i i can't work and you know keeping and if you're ever unsure keep a foods and symptom diary see how you feel before and after you run or before and after your training or you know whether you're able to meet your goals if not then that's when you can get in contact with an expert and see how you can modify what you're doing you know sometimes you learn the hard way by trialing things and going that was a bad idea (laughs) but you don't do it again yeah
1: you learn from the mistake. Oh, thank yeah. you. I like no, that. I like your, um, your final one. Don't listen to social media <laughs> when it comes to health. That's probably and just, less.
0: that's probably because I'm saying, no, come and talk to me. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know everything, but I'm pretty sure I know more than, you know, your, your typical influencer on the gram.
1: Yeah, On the gram. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. You
0: always, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the iCuckoo podcast at iCuckoo.com.au. Mm-hmm.